Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! GGTMC Live! For you, fresh air! Big Willie and the Samurai are at your service, breaking films down and turning them around, giving recommendations that are always on point. Visit ggtmc.com for more information. The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to the trash since 1977. Digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. This is MC Frontalot. You are listening to the Bone Bat Show. They take the world over one note at a time. They put the seed in some software and make it shine. So that then we did among us grab tight and install. MC Frank still electric. When it comes, if you're touching on an interface, you steady your thumbs. Since you might have to jump shit quick, the sting stuns. It isn't designed to destroy, it's just how it runs. I sing fun songs, but this here is a warning that the exploit's open and it might sound corny. But I give a damn about the state of the earth. Expect a hacker has to wreck it just to teach it what it's worth. First day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 44 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? It's going good. I, I feel a little awkward, though. You awkward. feel awkward? That's that's yeah. not like you. I know. Usually I just look awkward. <laughs> Tonight I feel awkward. Well, talk I went to me. To, uh, I went to pick up my kid from, from daycare, mm-hmm. and the teacher there was asking if he was going to be signed up for, for camp. And I said, "Yeah, yeah. Can you? You know, I didn't fill out any forms or anything. I was just like, yeah. Can you? Can you get him signed up for me?" She goes, "Sure. I'll just slide this into my wanting to come container." <laughs> yeah. Long awkward silence ensued. <laughs> That's a little odd uh, phrasing for that, isn't it? really not sure what that was all about I, I think it was innocent enough but there was like nothing i could say at that point that wouldn't make things go very very wrong <laughs> even if it, it you know especially if it wasn't innocent. 
Yeah, you don't want to start getting into like one of these madman uh, conversations with your kid's teacher. No, I was waiting to hear that Sting song in the background. Like that book by Nabokov. <laughs> oh, shit. That's pretty weird. Yeah. What are we listening to, anyway? So, dude, MC dude. Frontalot has a new CD coming out this week. It's called Zero Day. So much better than MC Backalot. <laughs> And uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit, bit this episode. We're featuring cuts exclusively from that release. Uh, uh, the song we opened the show with is the title cut, Zero Day. And uh, we'll be listening to a few more in a minute. In a minute? In a minute. So, a quick update. Bombat Film Fest. Yeah. As you know, tickets are on sale at uh, bonehand.com slash bonebatff.html. Uh, and we have our first two sponsors. Yes. Tell me about the sponsors. Our sponsors, uh, first two sponsors for the Film Fest. Uh, the Film Fest will be brought to you by Mac and Jack's Brewery here in Redmond. Their nice. African Amber is one of my favorite beers. Mac and Jack's kicks so much ass. And they were kind enough to uh, donate in such a way that will allow us to have a drink special on Mac and Jack's all evening at the Film Festival. Drink special on Mac and Jacks. Also, nice. Flying Saucer Pizza will be sponsoring us as well. They're going to be We're selling sponsored by pizza selling pizza at the event. Yeah, isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. And again, Flying Saucer is another uh, really cool establishment in Redmond. My family orders from Flying Saucer all the time. Delicious pizza. We actually went down there last Saturday. They have Sci-Fi Trivia Nights on Saturday. That was an absolute blast. And oh, uh, should be the king of that. I'm just thrilled to have really cool companies that I actually patronize that are supporting the film fest. So That's really true. exciting shit. And companies that you go to on a regular basis. Now, is the Redmond Penis Extension Clinic going to be? No, I, I'm talking to them at length. <laughs> I heard it was a short conversation. I don't know. And we are currently screening movies. We can't announce anything yet, but we've got some funny shit lined up for you guys. So yeah, watch yeah. this space for details. Funny, scary, gory. Going to be good. It's going to be a great evening. I, I'm excited, I got to say. I'm excited, too. I'm almost too excited to talk about what pisses me off now. But you have to. You owe it to our fans. Okay. Our listeners need to hear... What pisses you off? I guess I owe it. I owe it to the kids. You do. Do it for the children. Okay, here's the deal. We're recording this episode tonight on April 1st, on April Fool's Day. Yeah. And and let me tell you, April 1st, this is, this is not a joke, is my conception day. It is the day my parents made Whoopi many, many years ago and conceived of me. I know this So your mommy and daddy's little joke, essentially? Essentially, yeah. I'm their April Fool. Dad was home on leave. That's the only day it could be, and I don't look like the postman. So, <laughs> so here's the thing: being conceived on April first means I was born on December twenty-first, just right before Christmas. So it used to be we'd actually celebrate my conception day, like like it was my birthday. And then as I got older, it got to be a grown-up. I don't know. The, the the family, the friends, the wife, everyone sort of really didn't know what to celebrate. And now it's turned into this thing where I essentially have no birthday at all. Like, today is April 1st. No one has said shit about it. No happy conception day. My birthday back on December 21st, no one said shit about that. I folded laundry for my birthday. That's not true. 
Several folks called in and wished you a happy birthday right here on you the Bone what? Bad Show. This I wished you happy birthday this on the Bone Bad Show. The only place I got happy birthday wishes, so I should be thankful for that. That's you should. Cool. We love you, like, man. The like people outside of the podcast universe yeah. in real life, no, no, none of them. So thank you, thank God for you people that listen to this podcast because you, you are my only birthday wishes. <laughs> well, Conception Day. I mean, that's kind of horseshit anyway. The only person who should really? be celebrating that is your dad because he, you know, kind of point to his dick and good one. <laughs> Way to go, dude. <laughs> And mom, you know, hey, yeah, nice. Sure. Hey, man, nice, nice uh, shot. Conceiving there. <laughs> but you? Yeah, not so much. I, I don't yeah. get that. I'm just angling for a present, you, you know, just save a happy your, birthday something or other. Save it's your something. partying for uh, December. You know, I, I think this is a marketing issue. I mean, uh, my lovely wife, Ska Mama, she just celebrated her birthday last week, and oh, she knows how to. The face no, she knows how to market herself. I mean, she parlays it into a whole birthday month. Month? Yeah. I don't even have a day. She has a month. Can I like this? Just is have what one I'm saying. Days? You need to work on your birthday marketing. You All you right. start getting together a wish list way ahead of time. Telling everybody, talking about what you want to do for your birthday. There you go. You think maybe if I retained her as a consultant for, say, like 15% of my presence? <laughs> I bet she'd do that. that. A, a deal right. could indeed be uh, worked out, I think. Cool. Have, have her people call my people. <laughs> what pisses you off? Well, you know, speaking of April Fool's Day, uh, I, I got to say I was bamboozled yesterday bamboozled? by a... A lame-ass uh, April Fool's joke, if you want to call it that. Uh, one of the people I follow on Twitter is Greg Pucciato, who is the lead singer for the band Dillinger Escape Plan. And uh, last night I was kind of flipping through Twitter, and he posted something that he had just come off stage and found out that Steve Halbini had died. Steve Halbini had yes, died? the creator of Big Black, who we featured back in episode 31. Uh, yes, awesome musician. Um... But that was for the listeners. Oh, sorry. Thanks. Anyway, but so I feel real. I was totally bummed because, you know, last year Lux Interior from the Cramps died. You know, this is already fresh in my mind. We're getting to the age where people we really dig are starting to, you know, shuffle off the mortal coil. And so I was feeling kind of shitty about that. I called you. I told you about it. But I I didn't post anything because I kind of had the, you know, Internet weird feeling about it. And it turns out it was a fucking hoax. So, that's not funny. That's not funny. not funny. Thank you, Internet dickheads, for ruining my evening. And, uh, yeah, that pisses me off. Absolutely pisses me off. So Steve Albini, as far as I know, is still among us. Thank God. Thank you. Thank you for surviving, Steve Albini. <laughs> we lost without you. Yeah, but what, what a bunch of shit. That pisses me it is off. a bunch of shit. You know what's a bunch of shit? What's up? The political rant you're about to hear. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. No, you know, I, I go on these obscure rants about things no one cares about. I'm going to try to go a little mainstream here. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. I am still, to this day, a registered Republican. I hold a, a little GOP membership card and Dakota ring. And it, way back when, it became clear to me how spectacularly the Bush Republicans were fucking up. I tried to be an optimist about it. I mean, because nearly everything I predicted at that time came to pass. The banking collapse, economic collapse, uh, the, all of our jobs going to China, the housing bubble bursting, the unsafe products flooding the market. Well, not flooding the market, but coming onto the market. 
the, the entire country was driven into the ground by a bunch of hypocrites who were more interested in screaming slogans and killing foreigners and enriching their friends and actually governing the country. And the, the whole thing just headed right into the rocks. I, I tried to be really optimistic about this because I am the Republican. And I knew that the American public had no stomach for it. The Democrats were pissed, and it was only a matter of time before people like me and GOP were going to be clued in to the fact that the Republicans in charge had abandoned nearly every principle of the party. <laughs> and so I, I was thinking the backlash was coming. Uh, the Democratic president would be elected, and then they would screw the pooch, because that's what the Democrats always do. And then the, the Republicans would get their shit together during that time and sort of reorganize around their basic principles. I, I hope that they take their collective dicks out of their each other's asses and, and stop shouting slogans and act more like Republicans that were interested in governing a country. You know, things like fiscal responsibility and less intrusive government, pro-jobs. But that's not what happened. Now, instead of a group of people that are rallying around a core set of principles that makes sense, we've got a, just this group of screaming memes who are even less responsible than the ones that came before them. They're more shrill, they're more ignorant, and they wear that like a badge of honor. They're, they're like the goddamn Taliban. <laughs> the, yeah, the Taliban, in case you missed it, that's a group of religious fanatics, a bunch of rednecks out in the desert that like to blow shit up and they love to talk about a vengeful god, and they don't give two pieces of camel shit what you were doing if you were not in the club, because if you aren't with them, you're against them. So if it has something to do with science, it's blasphemy. Build a new school, they blow it up. Safe drinking water, blow it up. Hospital, blow it up. It's everything from the outside is bad. And no matter how it will benefit the community as a whole, if it's from the outside, if it's not from them, they hate it. And that's the way the GOP is acting. They refuse to govern. They refuse to even participate in the democratic process, and then they call that patriotism. And I could give you dozens and dozens of examples, and I'm not going to talk about health care. I'll just give you one. Obama suggested a bipartisan committee. In fact, a Democrat and a Republican together suggested a bipartisan committee to balance the budget, figure out how we could stop spending more money than we're taking in. Sounds reasonable. Okay, but because Obama's president and because a Democrat was involved in that suggestion, they won't agree to discuss balancing the budget. I mean, how fucked up is that? They, they say, oh, well, it's just an excuse for the Democrats to figure out ways to spend more money. And then they go back to crying about how the budget isn't balanced. Oh, they're the no party. They don't do nothing when they're in charge. They ignored governing. The country went up on the rocks when they're in the minority. They just try to stop government from happening, and they claim that's patriotic. And if you're not totally in line with the march and lockstep, they call you a rhino, Republican in name only. Now... Remember when the GOP was the big tent party? That tent was not the one that Ronnie Reagan pitched every time Nancy walked in the room. It was for a bunch of Republicans with different ideas, but the basic core set principles the same, getting together and actually trying to govern things. And it would be nice if that happened again. And that is my political rant. Yeah. Well, did, that, ha, has it occurred to you that maybe you're no longer Republican? It, it that occurs to me. You're I mean, where, where that you're libertarian with? or you're some other something of people who are disenfranchised but want to get shit done, that are willing to compromise and that, you know, understand that the two-party system is broken. Yeah, sure. I, I guess I, I am a libertarian to the core, but when it, I'm a member of the GOP party because... 
if you're not a member of one of the two major parties, then you're probably not really going to participate in any primary that's meaningful. And and hopefully you can change things from the inside and get things done. But right right now, if the Capitol is on fire and there was a bucket brigade, none of the members of the Republican Party would pick up a bucket because to do so would be socialism. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier to just pick up your bucket and go home. Shit, or leave the bucket there. Say, I don't need a bucket. Well, that's not even an option in the state of Washington now. Basically, you have to, whoever you want to vote for in the primary, that's the party you have to register for. So this last election, I wanted to vote for Obama, so I had to register Democrat. So, I mean, basically, party to me now is meaningless. I, I have, like, no association politically that I'm anything. I mean, I'm more of a Seahawks fan than I am a member of any political party as far as how I uh, see myself. You're a political Ronin. That's what I am. I walk the earth. Alone. <laughs> Voting randomly. <laughs> Swinging your katana of votes. <laughs> Good rant. Uh, why don't we listen to a little uh, MC front a lot, and then, after that, we're going to do a little interview. So, uh, first we'll play a tune. This is called Your Friend Will from Zero Day. And uh, immediately following that, we're going to cut away to an interview I did last week with DR of Signal Studios on the new Xbox Live video game, Toy Soldiers. So, Which I'm loving. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Okay, check it out. Here's Your Friend Will. Your Friend Will. Always honest with you, tell you the truth. They respond on occasion, you're behaving uncouthly. And a dog to clean up your act. You've got one in particular dispenses with tax. Says it plain to your face, says advice, unimpeachable. Feel chastised, any animals teachable, any goals reachable. Let us embark, we declare, we declaim, we decry, we remark. The ethics and etiquette have yet to jump shark. Dynamite strap, boom, but yet to set spark. With that in mind, employ each as it lingers. Keep the phrase in ready reach of your fingers, lest you forget for a moment. Trap a gate frozen, pull out and read it, your friend Consistently counsels the same Urging all dickishness struck from the game Your friend will Your friend will Your friend will declares Your friend will declares Don't be a dick Your friend will Your friend will Your friend will declares Your friend will declares Don't be a dick How'd your friend get possession of the wisdom once the headset into wrong system Listened, heard what? cock a doodle If you think it's involuntary, get disabused It's you, you do what you don't At your discretion, your dickery's untamed Practice repression, act as direction Suggest and desist, your friends all insist Got one who warns he could get a little stabby That it'd be bad form, but he gets a little crabby He's simply the messenger, hardened of hide But if somebody wrote, all oh, you die, die, die If you'd see your adherence assured all the more so Smokescreen, what your friends said on your so wear it out proudly, point and recite Any dick walks by, have to say versus contrite Your friend will Your friend will, your friend will declares Your friend will declares, don't be a dick Your friend will Your friend will, your friend will declares Your friend will declares, don't be a dick Your friend, friend says don't be a
All right, Steve from the Bone Bat Show here, and I'm hanging out with DR from Signal Studios, who has just released the new game for Xbox Live Toy Soldiers. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great, Steve. <laughs> Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes to talk to us. So I've, I've played through the demo a couple of times, and it's a fantastic game. Uh, how did Signal Studios get started? Uh, it was a group of us. There was three of us from Snowblind Studios, myself, Max Wagner, and Paul Knudsen. And we had worked previously at other companies, and um, we just kind of got tired of working on kind of big AAA games. It took like four years and 80 people to make, and uh, got tired of, should I say, uh, listening to people that we might, we didn't really think we should have to listen to. <laughs> and it was the impetus to just kind of like start our own thing, and uh, so we quit, and uh, us, we, we uh, moved down the road and got a cheap office space and us three put together a demo uh, and then we contacted some other people that we had met through the years um i'd worked at ea thq zipper um so i knew quite a few people and we kind of handpicked a little group of about eight guys and then uh, that's how it started basically cool so how'd you get the idea for toy soldiers kind of sprung from a couple of us are kind of really into history like we're you know like i've said before it's not like we are history professors, mm-hmm. but we're, you know, we're definitely interested in that right or wrong into uh, the history of war and things like that. And one of the things that we recognized about World War One is um, just through, again, being excited about history and stuff, was that there was just a lot of stuff there that was interesting and people hadn't seen in games before. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of this weird time in history where people on horses were uh, charging uh, tanks and uh, there's crappy planes and the life expectancy of somebody in a plane is about 20 minutes and there's just all this kind of semi-comical stuff that was actually real that happened during that time and um, at the time we kind of wanted to make a strategy game but we didn't want it to be complicated we wanted it to be really simple and mm-hmm. we kind of based it in tower defense which also fits really well with World War One because it was kind of a stagnant um, battlefield Sure, yeah. charge the other trench. But anyway, so we wanted to make a simplified kind of tower defense strategy game mix. Um, and that's basically what started the whole thing. And then it just kind of kept blowing up from there to what we have now, which is like an action game, really, where you're <laughs> using weapons and you're shooting things. And, and that's kind of what took over. But it's, a, it's got a very cool twist to it that when you start to, to look at it, that it's essentially in a kid's toy box with toy soldiers that are battling and you would like when you'll you'll shoot at him with a machine gun and you'll see the little guy will turn red and then fall over and you hear kind of the little plasticky plink <laughs> it's right. very cool so another weird thing is that we wanted to make a console game on rts or an rts console game about world war one that had broad appeal hmm. which is kind of sounds ridiculous when you say it because <laughs> RTS games don't have broad appeal World War One, no one's even really heard of it and yeah. that's how we kind of came up with the toy thing was like um, World War One is definitely a morbid time a very brutal war yeah absolutely brutal and morbid and I kind of felt like personally that it's far enough back in time where people there's not a lot of personal emotions around it so that said we don't really want to glorify blood and guts and death and all that so um not even really sure when it happened, but we were kind of playing the game, and it just slowly transpired that it, like, hey, we should just make this toys, and oh, man, it would be cool if it was a diorama, and then it was like, did you guys see Halo commercials? Halo 3 commercials are really cool, and we should just do that for the game, you know, and, and, and it kind of takes the edge off the whole thing, and then right. 
you know, we want it to be kind of humorous with like the animations. If you look at all the animations on the guys, they're always different and they're always interesting. And um, but we didn't want it to be cheesy either. So um, it just kind of just kept building and building. Pretty soon it was board games and toys and then gassing and <laughs> flaming things didn't seem quite so bad. In yeah. fact, it was funny. Absolutely. Very <laughs> humorous. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've given it a good... I've been playing it a bunch with my seven-year-old, and we've given the demo a really good run-through. And uh, it just... The, the, the animations for upgrading are really cool, the way an emplacement will flip over and a little timer will go. And there's just a lot of really nice touches that I've enjoyed. Yeah, well, I'm glad you noticed, because all of us here really... We want people to, like, play the game... And that was another kind of idea behind it. It's like you can play a strategy or you can play it as like an action game or you can play it as both. Or you can um, play the game once and then play it through again and you'll notice a bunch of stuff that you didn't notice the first time. Because we kind of think that's like the mark of like polished good stuff is that there's a lot of kind of details in there that you, it, it just shows that like we really care about what it is, right? So, sure, yeah. And it keeps people interested. It's like, the first time they shoot the howitzer, they're just trying to kind of figure it out. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And then they go, oh, wait, I can control the shells. And they're not quite sure how to control the shells, but then the next time they figure out, wait a minute, I can actually like accelerate and decelerate and completely control the shells on the howitzer. Mm-hmm. And the next time they play the howitzer, they go, wow, look at these cool animations they put on here. Right. And the next time they shoot it, there's a different set of animations. And that's you know, kind of like the depth, because we wanted it to have depth without adding... Uh, a lot of complication like our whole mantra is that how you say that mantra Mm -hmm. Um, here for any game that we create and this game was keep it as simple as possible so dad and kid can play so seven year old can play hopefully Um, so mom can play again it's like broad appeal stuff it's like keep everything simple but it needs that depth it can't be uh, it has to be simple gameplay and mechanic wise but we put a lot of the depth into the those type of things instead. Well, we tapped into the multiplayer a little bit, and one of the things that quickly became deep for us was, you know, there's a very limited number of places that you can put emplacements, and you have to make a decision, okay, is this going to be a howitzer, or is this going to be a machine gun? What is my, you know, what is my opponent going to be attacking me with? And there's definitely like a very deep sort of resource management that you find yourself stepping back and wait a minute, I'm totally, I was throwing up the first thing I thought of, but I'm completely doing this wrong. Right. There's a couple of reasons we limited the placement. Some of it's clearly performance because mm-hmm. we don't want people slapping down 50 things. Um, but actually the main reason was because when we first did the game, we actually, and you'll see it in some of our videos, there's just dudes, every, there's just units everywhere. Mm-hmm. And what we found was is one of the great things about working with like Microsoft is you do a lot of playtesting. Mm-hmm. And so we've been playtesting the game since the first Greenlight meeting with Microsoft and, and kind of getting player response. And kind of the happy accident of that is there's a lot of management, a little more depth and strategy. Um, but also what you'll find is if you don't limit the placement areas for people, um, they get kind of confused as to what's going on. Right. You'll place a, a howitzer where it really shouldn't go and essentially we found that without being very specific about where people players could put stuff they were just completely confused because there's a lot of unusual mechanics in our game that people haven't really experienced so um, again it really comes down to like trying to keep it simple as possible Mm -hmm. 
And it also has some some neat things as far as like you can fly a biplane or a triplane, biplane or a triplane. You can drive a tank. I mean, you can actually get into the emplacement and use it in a way that you don't really see in a lot of other tower defense games, which is cool. Right. So that one kind of started right away because um, I like RTS games a lot. Actually, I used to back in the PC days. And it was pretty much a no-brainer. We saw the machine gun and the cool stuff. We're like, oh, we got to be able to select that and use that. And yeah. that was like one of the first things that we did actually in our, before we even turned in our prototype. And as soon as we did it, we were like, oh, that's what this game's about. So um, if you look on our website now, it's like, man, the guns is kind of the, the thing for our game. And the game is based in tower defense. It kind of follows the rules of tower defense. But we really consider it like a 3D action game. Mm-hmm. Um, we want it to appeal to, like, and we think it does, is like the shooter crowd. Like, it's more of a, it's a 3D shooter. Um, then again, since it's a mix of genres, you, I guess you don't have to play it that way, but that's really where the fun is, so I would think. And, and like, how the planes and tanks and all that came about was they were there, and they're like, <laughs> it was probably a piss poor decision, actually, because making a plane easy to fly for. Game uh, gamers is not actually an easy thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. And it was just another thing to deal with. But again, it's like, well, this plane's sitting here. Boy, it would be a lot funner if you could fly it. And <laughs> so we did it, and we did it actually in a couple of days, and that was that. And the tank, well, the tank would be a lot funner if you could drive it. You know? Sure, yeah. And that's how all of it's come about, basically. And it's even more fun when you can fly right in your opponent's toy box. <laughs> that's right. You <laughs> Yeah, my, my son's still pissed off at me from last night when I, I did that. He he had me beat. I was on the ropes, and I came back at the last minute by flying my uh, plane right into his toy box. He was cheesed. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Definitely. That's cool. what I do. So what do you guys got coming up next? What's next for Signal Studios? Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really talk about it right now. Already. Oh. Uh, my son suggested, just so you know, if you're taking, I don't know if you're taking suggestions, but bathtub naval maneuvers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. And, um, yeah, we're working on, uh, we're definitely working on stuff already. And uh, we like what we're doing. I can't really say what we're No, I, I don't believe you. That, that's okay. But um, we're definitely moving forward and continuing to support toy soldiers also, so. There's exciting things on the way. Fantastic. Okay, and no Bone Bat Show interview would be complete without the question, what pisses you off, DR? <laughs> Tons of things. Uh, <laughs> if you ask my wife, she would be like, that's the dumbest question you could ever ask DR. <laughs> um, one thing that pisses me off nowadays is when I'm in the, like a line, like at the grocery store, uh-huh. and the person in front of me ha- uses a check. <laughs> and that check isn't already written because you've been right. in line for like five, six minutes waiting and first of all, who the hell uses checks anymore? Except for to pay like some yeah bills. Bills, yeah. 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 But if you're going to be in line, and you're going to write a check, and you know the store, say like Fred Meyer, then pre-fill out the check before <laughs> you're standing there making everybody wait another three minutes for you. And then it super pissed me off if after you write the check, you sit there and balance your checkbook before you get out of line. So, yeah. That's one of my nitpicky things that really actually pisses me off is lines and people that write checks. I don't blame you, man. That, that's an annoyance for me as well. Right. Have you had that? Oh, I've absolutely had that. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what is this person doing? Or, or they write the check and then they go, oh, I forgot one thing. Can you add this candy bar that was yeah. sitting on the cash register right, counter? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> 
I have cash for that. It's a, it's a whole no excuse for any line. They get this extra transaction, yeah, and then it's it kind of bullshit me off. Because that's just the line too. Is like, why does the line take so long nowadays? It's like everything is technical. It's like everything's scanned. Nobody has to push a button. I'm standing in line longer than I ever have. <laughs> that's yeah, true. The yeah. Whole thing just pisses me off. So no kid. Lines <laughs> and checks. All right. All right. Well, where can we find your uh, stuff? What's the website? Uh, our company website is www.signalstudios.net, and okay. uh, that's got all the relevant information. And then, of course, we're on Xbox too. Um, and also Facebook. We have a Facebook page, uh, Signal Studios, Mike underscore, and we also have a Facebook game. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I was referring to. Right. Sorry. Yeah. So we have a Facebook game that's uh, connected to our game, and if I was somebody listening to the show or yourself, I would look for exciting updates concerning those two and how they interact. And it's match defense. I think. Toy soldiers match defense. <laughs> <laughs> it's sure a cool that? game too. Though. I don't know. I, I like it too. It has nothing. It's really not the same. You know? uh-huh. But it's like it's strangely addicting, also, which is a good thing. Very cool. And it's free. So fantastic. Yeah, you can't beat that at all. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes to talk with us. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Nerd rap infest your internet. You left a trap, but it's empty. MC front a lot. Took a gig, but the bait wasn't tempting. Ending up uncaged and at large. To talk smack at you through the networking appliance that's in charge of every drip of your attention. Yo, when mine goes out, I've got to log in just to mention my disappointment at the interruption of convenience. I mean, just a lot left, but none up in between. This couple of minutes here, the couple of minutes later, it's an outrage at the price I pay. These dictators of my leisure rule with an iron fist. Has anybody ever been so put upon? Your GPS run out of battery. First world problem. Got to wake up Saturday. First world problem. You just delayed the honeymoon. First world problem. That season's coming soon. First world problem. Half your friend list is fan account. First world problem. And your center channel speakers out. First world problem. Your center channel speakers out. I can hear that it's not on. Muffy, my hairy growth cream is mostly ineffective, and I'm struggling to keep this in perspective. But I feel like a massive injustice occurred. Says regrows hair on the two and the words in the third, or maybe a quarter of all users. I must have got swindled. Is it all fault of whose is? Ooh, Muffy, Muffy, I had all the servants tortured. Did you keep them on retainer? Did you got some more on order? Cause I can't comb my hair on my own no more. I got accustomed to the lifestyle. Sniffed upon the floor, and it molded up my innards, made the blood turn blue. Muffy, Muffy, there's a revolution. What more can it do? Misplaced the ambient. First world problem. Left a participle dangling. First world problem. You're scheduling your root canal. First world problem. Your grad schooling had no rationale. First world problem. You didn't like your appetizer. First world problem. Your yacht got capsized. First world problem. Hey, I got capsized. The first world problem that you have with your yacht. The living conditions of the American masses, that's you, are swiftly deteriorating. Our generation is going through the final convulsions of the dying world of capitalism. That's what it says here. And if you don't believe that pamphlet, try this one. While our capitalism is in a minor kerfuffle, you have to hustle before the fates come reshuffle. Rustle up another couple grievances and air them. You can laugh about it later, maybe. Needed while the sparing for the moment.
moment though. You ordered half calf, didn't get it. There was no TV set when you did it. Internet resetted itself. Just as I was in the middle of tournament play. And so I suffered from transmittal interruption. Completely ruined my day. MC front a lot's a jackass. All I'm trying to say. People buy CDs in these days of disaster. So poor me, I have to be a professional rapper. No bubbles in the soda cup. First world problem. crash when you load it up. First world problem. Phones OS is out of date. First world problem. Colors won't calibrate. First world problem. They never stock the snack you want. First world problem. Caught herpes from a slebutant. First world problem. You caught herpes from a slebutant. That magnificent creature. Got wall hacked in PVP. First world problem. Oh no, HD DVD. First world problem. Pixels aren't perfect square. First world problem. Your favorite rapper isn't debonair. First world problem. You own too many underwear. First world problem. And you're not much of a millionaire. First world This is Richard Starkings, creator of the Elephant Men monthly from Image Comics, and you're listening to the Bone Bat Show podcast. All right, and that was our second featured cut of the evening for an MC Frontalot's new release, Zero Day, First World Problems. Toy Soldiers, dude, pretty cool, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm playing the heck out of this game. I got it, you know... For the kids, you can't see the air quotes, but for the kids, yeah, I, I'm playing it. Yeah, because I'm a sucker for those tower defense style games, and and World War One is the absolute perfect genre for a tower defense game because it was essentially very very fixed lines of you know the same things happening in the same places over and over. And yeah, but like I said in the interview, what the way that they did it is so cool. You know, it, it kind of minimizes the violence for a war that was so utterly brutal. Yeah. And so, you know, you're knocking over little plastic guys, and it's it's so much fun to inhabit the emplacements. That is a blast. I mean, if you haven't played Toy Soldiers, imagine playing Plants vs. Zombies and being able to go inside the pea shooter and aim it in first person at the zombies as they're coming at you. That's what Toy Soldiers does. And it's fucking... If that zombie was, you know, one of the Kaiser's infantry and you're, you know, some World War One Tommy manning that machine gun. Yeah. That is a, just a sweet addition to that game. Very cool. So, we'd like to do a little contest. I've got three codes to give away for Xbox Live versions of Toy Soldiers. Here's what I need you to do. Email steve at bonehand.com with the title of the email, Man the Guns. Name. <laughs> email Naked Pictures with the title, Man the Guns, and show your manly guns to Steve. No, just email me your name, uh, and uh, I will send you the code right away. The first three folks to uh, get the Man the Guns email to me will win. So, fire away. So, dude, multimedia dude. triage. Let's talk a little MC front a lot. Zero day. What do you think of the CD so far, man? Uh, CD? What CD? The CD isn't out. I've been listening because I purchased the CD, and I'm anxiously awaiting for it to be shipped to me. I was able to download the release in an MP3 or FLAC format, and I've been listening to that on my little jam box, and I like it. Yeah, I gotta say, I think it's his best yet. Yeah, there's more There's more in this, and it's more consistently good across the whole thing. Yeah, it's just excellent stuff. Kicks off with Zero Day, a pay-in to the computer virus. A very cool opener, I think, to the Very appropriate thing. opener, too, yeah. since I essentially blew up my computer with a Zero Day infection. At least that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Very recently, yeah. Charisma Potion is really cool. Yeah, that cracked me up. 
little D&D geek action there. Yeah. Uh, Jacqueline Hyde, which is uh, MC Frontalot proceeds to break up with all the things that have turned on him in his life. <laughs> yeah, corn syrup. That's great. And he takes a nice shot at the state of California to close it out. Pretty scorching, actually. Yeah. Well, see, he's not the. I'm not the only one bitching about the maltreatment of the homosexual community. Yeah. But that, that is what he's talking about, right? I think he so. He says something about getting your votes back in order, and then maybe he'll come back. Yeah, I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, then your friend Will, which you've already heard, and uh, there's a little skit, The Tribulations of Muffy and Percival, which is pretty hilarious, followed by First World Problems, which you've also just heard. Then my one, I think, is probably my favorite on the CD, Disaster, with Shaper the Dark Lord and Beefy. Man, there's some nimble fucking tongue play in that song. Did you just say nimble fucking tongue play? The most nimble fucking tongue play that you would probably see out of sight of my bedroom on a Saturday night. <laughs> That's all I'm <Wow>. saying. <laughs> Followed by another skit, Everyone's a Quit Critic, which is hilarious. A little bit broad is another great tune. I love that. Yeah, that is cool. Although not as cool as the song that comes after it. <laughs> I know. Is it spoiler alert hilarious? Spoiler alert is very funny. He and if proceeds you're in the to, 80s, you find out Wham is gay. <laughs> <laughs> he proceeds to ruin, like, every movie. It, it, it's great. It's a hilarious song. Every decade, song. Every, every empire. Tells you how everything ends. It's good. What else? Uh, then uh, 80085. Did you ever do that with a calculator? Wasn't there a joke? Like, if Dolly Parton did something and did this and that, and then you flip over the calculator and it says boobless. Yeah, or boobs, or... Yeah. What else can you make? Hell. <laughs> uh, and also, is that a sample jack-in-the-box on that tune? I think it is. That's fucking cool. Also, a better rapping. There's a new version of that song. That, uh, what about the John Hodgman skit? That's that pretty funny. Fun. I had no, I didn't know that much about bats before. <laughs> Neither did I. Neither did John Hodgman. <laughs> it, it kind of turned into a Just Ask Gord a bit, didn't it? It did. It really, really did. Uh, I then, stealing my dick. Uh, better at rapping, which uh, I like this version better in the same way that I prefer Fatboy Slim's version of Body Movin' versus the original BC Boys cut. I like this version of Better at Rapping. They kind of added a bouncier, more lively keyboard melody. And, and kazoo. Yeah, k- kazoo in the background and, and a cool trumpet solo. Not something you hear in no, it's nerdcore great shit. Song. And it closes up with a Council of Loathing and Front the Most, two back-to-back really strong cuts, and the painstakingly concealed secret track, which simply must be heard to be believed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a really strong CD. I've been listening to it on heavy rotation. I really enjoy it. Um, and like Gord said, if you order it now, uh, it's going to ship next week, but you can download it immediately and start listening. So, And I'm all about the immediate gratification. And I think you, the listeners, are too. So get gratified immediately. Yeah. Get over to frontalot.com and make that happen. What else? What else in multimedia triage? Let's talk a little bit about Blackest Night wrapped up this week. Jesus Christ. DC Comics, huge zombie event. Uh, okay, based here's around the, thing the about Green Lantern Corps is finally come to a conclusion. Yeah. So what, what, and, and what's your what take? I, this, I know the shoe's on the other foot because usually people are saying this to me, but it's, it's just too big. <laughs> it's, there's just too much going on. I can't keep track of... Of everything, all these different superheroes with these different lives and deaths and timelines and 
romances and they're, now they're dead and they're not dead and they're purple but they're blue and they're red and now they're white and holy shit my brain hurts <laughs> no shit yeah they pack a lot in there and like you know the art between uh ivan reese doug mankey and uh gleason i mean every single issue had the full two-page superhero fight scene porn. Oh, yeah. With, Absolutely. like, just these epic battles in every single issue. I mean, those guys' it's the arms... the kind of thing, that if you looked at when you were a little kid, you'd end up staring at one panel for an afternoon. Yeah, there's those guys, the artist's arms have to be fucking falling off at this point. Yeah, I, I thought the art was kind of inconsistent and occasionally laughable earlier in the series, but they... they they did a great job on the art at the end. They, yeah, they really just really eye-popping. It's like the way the, the coloring was done. However they do color separation, all that stuff now for comics is amazing. Oh, God, yeah. Look at what they do today compared to what they used to so do on their uncoated bulk <laughs> crap paper with the, with the dots that were like a quarter inch across. The series looks, yeah, truly so good. So what were some, did you have some favorite moments from the series? We're going well, spo- to spo- spoiler this We're going to spoiler this. So if, if you're planning on waiting around till June or July when the trades come out, you might want to jump ahead five minutes. Yeah. No, I really loved how like Scarecrow became one of the lanterns that, that fears their power. I loved how they pulled the villains and their powers in as, as temporary lanterns. And I really liked when Sinestro, or Sinestro, or however you say his name, like jumped in and became the white land. It's like, no, it was my destiny, arrogant son of a bitch. <laughs> Jumps right in. <laughs> gets gets his head split in half. Yeah, there was But overall it was yeah. It was it was just a little too much. How many different flash do you need? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of flashes. Well, it's, it, there there were to me there were a lot of uh, points that kind of stood out. You know, kind of thinking back because you're right. There was a shitload of reading. I mean, looking at the pile here, it's about six inches of comics. And y- you know, through all of that though, there, the things that stood out like when you were introduced the first time to some of the zombie versions of the guys who had died. Yeah, you well, know, a lot of those reveals were really cool. Like zombie Aquaman, yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to read that. And then at the end, as things wrapped up, and Sinistro kind of flames out, and then Hal Jordan jumps in, and you have essentially the White Lantern core, which is like all the heroes that had died and already come back, and had been kind of in the state of flux, that, that kind of closes things out. That was a badass moment. And then when the heroes that were previously dead were returned to life, like seeing Aquaman again, and not the Aquaman, like the beardy, one-handed Aquaman. That where the fuck did he come from? The one I grew up with. Yeah. And then the, the moment when he the and one that we, molested you in the pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy who taught me swimming lessons. That's fucking. <laughs> anyway, uh, the and then when Aquaman and Mara get back together, that was like a really emotional moment. They pulled that off really well. And then another moment like Kyle Rayner's death and his return in Green Lantern Corps and, and the fallout with Guy Gardner. That was fucking great. I really yeah, enjoyed that. cool stuff, no doubt. But I, I got to go back to reading things like Powers and, and Haunt, much much more tight stories and fewer characters <laughs> less to keep track of because I'm not bright enough to keep track of all of that. Well, I have to say, looking back on it, I mean, some of the, the stuff was, to me, not as essential. 
I mean, the, the JSA miniseries, the Flash miniseries, really, until the, the last issue. I don't give a shit about that rogues gallery from the Flash. Yeah. They all seem like rinky-dink, second-tier sort of villains. And I just don't give a shit. And it, it wasn't that compelling for me. But, like, the Wonder Woman series, written by Greg Rucka, was really good, I thought. Although, what what is the deal with Max Lore? I mean, from the last time I knew who he was... He was like kind of the funny boss of the JLI, and now he's some evil rat bastard like Lex Luthor that fucking shot Blue Beetle in the head. When did that happen? Yeah, I have no idea. That's, There's just so much I just... That's the one thing. If you almost, yeah, if you aren't up to speed on all of the heroes in the DC universe, you, you just inevitably miss, you miss some shit by reading this series. But uh, that said, I thought it was fucking great. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to. I still think that there's like questions. So, like, okay, at the end, Parallax. Oh, yeah, apparently, Batman's still alive. Parallax was released from the Yellow Lantern or whatever, right? And yeah. Anti Monitor is released. So you've got all these big ass godlike villains that are still floating around that are going to be need to be dealt with. Is that right? Am I reading that right? No, you're reading that right. You got to keep selling comic books. Right. So I, I mean, there, there's definitely more shit to come. Man. It hopefully will uh, hold at that same level of quality. I liked oh. it. I thought it was good. Yeah, I, I think I'm done with, with that whole universe of heroes for a while. I'm going well, back like, to my weird, obscure stuff. Like, what did you grow up with when your like, see, mom would take you to the drugstore? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't start reading comics until college. I got to say, I was much more of a... While I did, I did have, like, the Mego... Uh, Batman and Aquaman action figures or dolls they were back then. Uh, I was more likely to buy like a Kirby, uh, Captain America and Falcon. Yeah. Or, you know, Spider-Man. The Inhumans were were awesome. Uh, Some of those Marvel team-ups with like Spider-Man and the Sons of the Tiger, whoever, the Kung Fu guys. You'd always have those kind of things. Uh, Yellow Jacket and Wasp, some of the Avengers stuff, like Vision. So I was always much more kind of into Marvel, I think, than I was into DC. I'd pick up the odds, you know, Batman book, Aquaman, Green Lantern book, but mostly I was more of a Marvel guy. So I, I'm, I'm kind of new to that universe and a lot of those characters that they were, you know, trotting out in Blackest Night, I wasn't really familiar with. Yeah, I wasn't really familiar with huge numbers of them myself but it was still it was fun it was a cool series but i'm, I'm glad it's over I, <laughs> I need some some downtime to recover from that all right is there anything else you're reading right now dude well i finished reading catcher in the rye which i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you people book fucking broke my heart I, that, that was a sad book that just that book affected me in a way that i have not been affected since maybe of mice and men that was really why did it affect you so I, I could really, really identify with that character. Maybe not not because I've been that way, but because I'm afraid of becoming that way. I'm afraid of my kids becoming that way. I just, I really felt for how lost and how, how screwed up that, that guy was. He, he was a really nice guy and he really wanted to fit in. And he's, no matter where he is, he's lonely. And no matter, he, he's always reaching out and at the same time screwing things up. I don't know, something about that character really made me sad. So, if you want to really become sad, you know, read that book. I don't know why. Well, but you're mi- really there, there was also this kind of, I don't know, angst-filled arrogance about the character, too. Oh, uh, you know, there, he... That, that, that was what kind of drove me away from him when I, when I, to the point where I was just like, you know what, 
I, I have nothing in common with this guy. Even the teenage angst, which I might have got had I read this as a teenager, I didn't get as a 40-year-old. And so, no, to I me, I that, thought the that book... arrogant angst you're hearing him is just, is just a thin veneer that's wrapped around his confusion and trying to make sense of the world. I think he's he's so desperately trying trying to make the world make sense that he's always saying these ridiculous things like, hey, that's the thing about mothers, or yeah, that's the thing about people that have a suitcase, a cheap suitcase, or yeah, that, you know, like, he's, he's making these ridiculous axioms because he's, he's desperately trying to make himself believe that he understands the world, and he, he can't. He can't understand it. I mean, his, his brother is dead, and he can't get past that, and it's, it's fucked him up, and he's not gonna get better. I don't know. So, yeah, so... Please address all mocking emails to uh, to me, not to Steve. But yeah, finish catching the ride. Okay. I'm reading Under the Dome. I'm a little ways into that. Okay. It's uh, speaking of books I read in high school. All it is is Lord of the Flies under glass. But there's been there's been some shooting, some burning, some raping, some killing, some uh, some crashing, some dying. It's a it's a disaster. <laughs> Here's the thing I just watched. You gotta watch this movie, dude. Maybe you saw it as a kid. You remember the movie Them? Yeah, with the ants. Giant ants, yeah. yeah. Got it on Netflix. You can just stream it. Just streamed it right through my Xbox and watched it with my kids. That is a fun movie. Giant okay. freaking ants, you know, made giant because they're they're out there where they tested the A-bomb in the desert, tearing the hell out of trailers and stuff. And it absolutely terrified my kids. Watched it with them. I was wondering if they're going to get bored and walk away, but they're completely sucked into this movie about these giant freaking ants in black and white. Terrified cool. one of my kids. He's, well, he's having bad dreams. Like is right he really? Now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's what? We... music. It screws them up. The music is so, you know, that weird 1950s horror music. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I think my kids would be all right with it. We watched uh, Night of the Living Dead a while back, and they were fine with that, more or less. <laughs> I think they'll be able to handle them in stride. I don't know. I watched Alien with my uh, my older kid. Did you really? Really did. And, and? and he was scared, but he was... Chestburster didn't fuck him up? No, he was scared. He loved See, that's, the movie. That's why I haven't shown that to Allie. Allie watched uh, part of Aliens, which is more yeah. action-y. But I, I was kind of concerned about the chestburster and about uh, when they take Ash apart and he's gurgling milk. Oh, yeah. Because that's pretty fucked up, too. So that's those two scary. scenes, yeah, were kind of... Oh, and maybe... Uh, what's his name? Uh, kill me. Kill me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's. There's a lot in that movie. That, that's a scary movie. Yeah, but uh, well, I have to consider it. Well, I had oh, to. Ste- that, that I had to Go step on. away from uh, Under the Dome a little bit because uh, a couple of new uh, advanced readers' copies came to the mail in the mail to me last week. Both of which I've already whipped through. Uh, Lee Child's uh, new Jack Reacher novel, 61 Hours, uh, is fucking fantastic. For folks who don't know, uh, Jack Reacher is a former military policeman who now has no fixed abode. Man. He's got money, but he, he just kind of takes the bus around and travels and solves problems. Walks the earth like Kane in Kung Fu. And uh, he comes to this town in South Dakota during a a snow blizzard and uh, ends up protecting this woman who was a witness of a meth deal that, that went down by this biker gang. And the biker gang is trying to kill her. 
and uh, Jack Reacher is, uh, falls into helping protect her. And it's just absolutely a riveting read. I whipped through it in about three days. Tight as a drum, uh, Lee Child's prose is just remarkably fast, brisk writing. Uh, and it's absolutely great stuff. I don't think it's going to be out until uh, June, but uh, 61 Hours, if you like action, suspense, kind of thriller novels, check it out. Also, right on the heels of that, Don Winslow, who we've talked about before, great fucking writer from San Diego, uh, came out with his new one called Savages, which is a this story about this uh, pair of uh, real good friends who were drug dealers. Uh, ben, who's kind of the peaceful one, and uh, Sean, who's like the violent ex-Navy SEAL, and they come back and they decide that they're going to make a go at selling pot. And so they've developed the best pot ever, and they're selling it. And they have this kind of a sort of a threesome romance going with this girl, this debutante named uh, Ophelia, who's their friend. And so the three of them are inseparable. And... Ophelia gets kidnapped by the Baja cartel because they want to move in on their pot operation. And Winslow writes in a style that you think of Stephen King from the sense of a narrator that writes idiomatically. You know what I mean? Like the narrator, he has personality and he makes comments, but it's still in the third person. And, and so it's a very interesting style, and it's a lot of fun to read. Again, it's another brisk read, lots of action. Uh, it's kind of sexy, and it's it's another great read. So Savages by Don Winslow. Both of these novels, if you you know you want a quick summer read, check either of these out. They're fucking great. I will be as soon as you send them to me. Yeah, they'll be on their way. T- technically, this isn't media. It's okay. not multi. It's not triage. C- can I do a... Can I just do a little product review here? A little product placement? A little sure. product promotion? Knock yourself out. Okay. How many times in my life since you've met me have I recommended a personal hygiene product? <laughs> Not nearly enough. Yeah, the smell no. of you. I think, I think once, and that was when that triple-bladed razor thing came out. All right. I'm holding in my hand a, a container of the world's most ass-kicking toothpicks. I swear to God. I didn't even know these things existed. And I'm, I don't even... Until this point, I was not even a toothpick-using guy. Sure, you eat some ribs somewhere. If there's a toothpick handy, I will use said toothpick. The, the brand is The Doctor's Toothpicks. And it looks like a toothpick designed by H.R. Geiger. <laughs> I swear, on one hand, is like this serrated machete blade... And on the, the back end is like this plastic brush thing. The whole thing's made out of plastic. Holy shit, dude. These are the best in the world. You, you've got to check one of these toothpicks out. I swear to God. It is better than floss. It is it is great. You, you get all your nooks and crannies with these things. <laughs> swear. All right, I'll check them out. I was It's funny because I had some popcorn the other day and... Wood toothpicks are just kind of useless because if you have anything that takes more than five seconds, it gets yeah, soggy it and the, yeah, the tips break. And so something like that that's a little sturdier sounds like it could be useful. Oh, yeah. On one end, you got the heavy-duty end. You know, you get in there, you, you get the gristle out. And then you follow it up with the brush end. Oh, my God. I'm going to get you some for Christmas. <laughs> well, thank you. Or maybe my birthday because, you know, I get stuff for my birthday. Nah, screw that. Not unless your <laughs> wife talks to me first. All right, so filthy jokes. Filthy jokes. Filthy, filthy jokes. So this woman, 
She's been in a coma for a long time. You know, like six weeks, eight weeks. And one of the nurses happens to notice that she has a distinct response on the monitor whenever her private area is touched during a sponge bath. So the nurse goes and speaks to the the patient's husband on his next visit in and says, you know, I, I know this sounds crazy, but perhaps a little oral sex will do the trick and bring her out of the coma. And the husband's kind of skeptical because, you know, he, he hasn't heard anything like this before. But the staff assures him they'll close the curtains for privacy. He'll be alone. And at this point, given her condition, that they really don't have much to lose. So the husband goes in and uh, he agrees to give it a shot. And he goes into the wife's room. And after a few minutes, the woman's monitor just flatlines. No pulse, no heart rate, nothing. So the nurse comes running into the room and finds the husband standing there zipping up his fly. I think she choked. (laughs) Poor Terry Schiavo. What do you got? Uh, All right, this is what I got. A guy walks into a bar and immediately notices a young lady at the bar on her own. And after a couple drinks, he decides to offer her a drink and make small talk. So, buys her a drink. What's your name? He asked. Carmen, she replied. Well, that's a nice name. Did your mother or your father name you that? Neither, she said. I changed my name when I was 18 from Sharon to Carmen. Well, why did you do that? He asked. Well, she explained, I like men and I like cars. So, that's how I got my name, Carmen. What's your name? Beer and tits. <laughs> not too sure. Uh, not too great either, but hey, you get what you pay for, and it's a free podcast, people. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this episode, we'd like to thank MC Front a lot, uh, Dr. from Signal Studios, and Heather from Ten Gun, who helped uh, set up our interview with uh, Signal. So thank you very much. Uh, once again, don't forget the contest. Uh, email Steve at bonehand.com with the uh, title Man the Guns, and you can win a Xbox Live code for Toy Soldiers. Our usual bullshit. Our show number is 206-203-3115. Come on, folks, give us a call. It's been really quiet. I don't think, yeah. when was the last time we had a voicemail? I don't know. Ask me something. Like five Ask episodes ago or something. Come on, listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, you can email me at steve at bonehand.com. I've got new content on bonehand.com every Sunday. And once a week, there's a new cartoon at mightywombat.com. Once a month, there's a new column at davislifemagazine.com. You'll follow me on Twitter at mighty underscore wombat. And you can follow me on Twitter as well. I am Bonehand. Just don't be posting anybody's dead who's not. Pieces of shit. Jesus. <laughs> uh, you can also join the Bone Bat forums. Uh, if you like what we do, we always appreciate iTunes reviews, uh, votes on Podcast Alley, or best of all, please tell a friend. Again, Film Fest, Bone Bat Film Fest. Ticks are on sale now, so check them out at bonehand.com. And thank you for listening. And thank you for listening. Remember, if you are a movie maker, we are looking for movies for the Film Fest, especially shorts, so it's not too late to submit. You could have Gord reviewing your shorts. <laughs> Join the club, people. Get in line. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Once again, we're closing out with Zero Day. This is Steve. And this is Gord. Have a good one. I have a good one. Get you on a road trip. Key five, I will key style show code. Triple sevens out luck on the mode. Mode, how I'm keeping this hurt. Because if I keep my game on time, I only last another year. You're a little bit late. 
FSD back in 98 In the D count bomb on the zone alarm So get your lip on kitty any DM350 Got them bots in every city with the spam to committee do whatever I tell them to do. 